Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast, where we explore the future of financial services with an eye on technology, new models, innovation, and changing consumer expectations. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. In the early days of Tearsheet, this was over 10 years ago, we spent more time covering private markets for assets. Remember, this was the crowdfunding and equity crowdfunding era. There was this popular view that this massive market, arcane in structure and available only to the wealthy, would be opened up by tech and some regulatory changes, and that a dentist in Chicago would get access to the same deals Blackstone and Andreessen Horowitz were investing in. So it doesn't feel like equity crowdfunding really lived up to the hype, but the market continues to grow and mature. Most of the big wins come from not investing in individual companies, but in funds. Jamie Finn, co-founder and president of Securitize, joins me on the podcast to talk about where we are with investing in privately held companies and funds. His firm's platform, Securitize, enables smaller investors to tap into some popular private equity funds directly and through secondary transactions. Behind the scenes, Securitize is doing this on the blockchain. It's not something Jamie explains right away. It seems to be something they've built out, but the main pitch is still on alternative assets and not necessarily in the fact that they've been designed as digital assets. Jamie shares the genesis of the company and how he sees the market for alternative assets maturing in the future. Securitizes Jamie Finn is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Great. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Jamie Finn, and I'm the president and co-founder of Securitize. And Securitize uh, essentially provides a platform for more investors to access um, alternative investments from some of the best asset managers on the planet with really low minimums and in a really kind of easy to use environment. Our minimums tend to be anywhere between ten dollars to $20,000. And we give you access to firms like KKR or Hamilton Lane, where normally you'd need to put up you know, $10 million for 10 years to see what happens. In our world, you can put up $10,000 and try it out. And so who are the investors on the platform? Uh, so we have a pretty big mix of investors. Um, we have about a half a million uh, total registered accounts with us. Um, they represent folks in more than 120 countries, incredibly. Uh, and their average age is about 39 years old. So, you know, we tend to skew younger um, and we tend to skew kind of more in the late millennial space uh, and on a global basis. Our products are really ways for folks to access things that either they can't access in their own um, countries or that they can't access uh, because they don't have $10 million. And are these accredited investors? So yeah, we have a mix of products. So we have mm -hmm. a qualified purchaser product, qualified purchaser is somebody who has more than $5 million in assets. Uh, we have accredited investor products. So a million dollars in liquid assets or $300,000 in income. Or, and we actually have retail product as well. So we have something for everybody on the platform. And really, you know, a big piece of what we're trying to do is expand access generally. And so, you know, when you start working with these guys, with the asset managers and, and kind of these products, you tend to start with their very high-end product, which tends to be a qualified purchaser product. Um, that quickly uh, comes down uh, to an AI product or accredited investor product once you have a good relationship with them. And you can kind of uh, wrap things up in a way that's relevant. And then um, retail is something we're working on right now for some of the um, alts investments. But we do have other retail products, which is currently available, such as treasuries and things like that. Maybe you could tell us a little bit, Jamie, about having spent some time in the industry. I'm familiar with some of the dynamics. But um, 
about the dynamics of building supply demand on a marketplace like this, right? Like, so, so getting those top investors and getting their products on the platform, you have to prove that you have some demand for them too. How do you get demand for them if you don't have those products? Like maybe talk about some of the, the, what it took to, to build and populate the marketplace. Sure. Uh, it's the field of dreams reference, I guess. Right. Build if you it, build they it, come. they will come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been a really, uh, important challenge, you know, for us. And I think, uh, we kind of started, um, doing anything and everything with everybody we could just to see what would stick. Uh, I believe that is the throw it against the wall and see what sticks strategy from the spaghetti book of management. Um, and, uh, needless to say, what we really learned in that process is that quality is what attracts investors. You know, they really care about the outcome of the investment, not the novelty of it. And so we shifted our focus really to be fo of all on kind of the outcomes that we were able to deliver. And in doing that, it was, we discovered that by bringing a super high quality, you know, product on the platform, investors would come. And then at the same time, you need to spend some money in marketing uh, to get folks uh, to trust you because it's a, it's a multi-layered problem, right? So the first problem is really about trust and making sure that you have the relationship with the investor. And the second part of it um, is really about having the products. And so, um, and that then you have the products and the products kind of um, allow you to get more um, things and scale and bring on more managers. And so it's, it's a kind of an incremental process. Unfortunately, we don't have the magic beans that a lot of the crypto marketplaces had. And so we had to kind of build it ourselves and build both sides of it. But, you know, we've got a decent audience on both sides. So we're pretty happy with where we're starting. Yeah, five hundred thousand in accounts isn't isn't nothing. Um, it isn't nothing. Kudos on building that. And I, I guess there's another dynamic there too, Jimmy. Also, like this idea of I guess being an open or or a a curated marketplace. Um, the more curated it is, obviously, the I, I would assume the more pressure on securitized to do the picking. Right? Um, does it work that way? Yeah. So it's it's very much like trying to figure out the you know where the right match is and what's going to be the product that really gets an investor to be motivated to come through the door and buy something right and so when we started down the path um you know your first deal you kind of take whatever you can get and we were lucky enough to work with kkr after about four years of um, building a relationship uh with them um we were able to get a, a healthcare product and a healthcare product is a great product but it's a little bit hard like the returns on it are fantastic, but it's a little bit hard to understand for most people. And so in our next iteration, we started working with Hamilton Lane and they had a private credit product. And if you looked at what was happening in the market at the time, which was early this year, banking firms were increasingly, uh, or banks were just not able to lend money. And so that meant companies- They were, were also going out of business. Courses. Yeah. That also happened. Um, and so as this happens, there's less money to borrow. Mm -hmm. And so naturally these companies are going to go somewhere else. And that's where we've seen this, huge explosion in private credit. Um, and I wish I you know, could take credit for being so prescient with it. But when you look at a portfolio approach, you want something that's cash flowing, which is a private credit product because that pays you annually. You then want you know, something that could do home runs. So that's a primary product, some sort of um, private equity fund that's doing direct investments. And then you want something that's you know, kind of taking an unfair advantage. And that's a secondary product, right? And so secondary is where you go in and you buy um, you know, other LP shares or, or pieces of companies. And so um, we really wanted a, a portfolio and we were lucky enough to kind of build that out with Hamilton Lane. And it's 
in this market, ironically, the 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 private credit product is super solid, eight to ten percent all day long um, on an annualized basis. The secondary product is an absolute home run right now. It's like off the charts. It's beating the primary product. So, you know, you make your best efforts and then you watch what happens. And I think it'll all normalize over time because these are decade long funds. But right now, if you were to invest, that's what it looks like. And the kind of unique aspect of what we bring, which I think is crucial for um, the broader kind of investor ecosystem, once you get out of these, like basically institutions, is liquidity, right? And so um, we have a secondary marketplace where you can buy and sell these things. Uh, and so you don't have to wait the 10 years. And so if you think about that combo, you can come in, get access to a product, have a killer return, go to the secondary market, sell it, make some money and keep going. And that's really the, the kind of ecosystem we're trying to develop. Yeah, I think the um, particularly for first time or people new to the asset class, I have to imagine that 10 year, um, no matter how many times you explain it to them, I have to imagine that 10 year cycle is is quite long when they actually enter it. So um, obviously having that second secondary marketplace would 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 alleviate that. How, how do you how do you think about populating that secondary marketplace? Because I know that's been attempted. Um, I think a few of the peer to peer lenders had them early on. Um, yeah. They're challenging, right? Well, again, I, I do think it comes a lot back to quality, right? What so secondary transactions, mm -hmm. they happen all day long in kind of the, the alternative yeah. space. Mm -hmm. But it's institutions trading it. And why do institutions trade it? Because they know what's inside the products. They have an unfair advantage. And so I think what we're going to see on our platform is individuals selling and institutions buying mm. because they know what's in there and they're happy to pick it up. Um, and so, you know, we've seen already on our platform that type of uh, reality where, you know, some of the VC funds that we've had, like Blockchain Capital or Spice VC, you know, they've had, you know, kind of a buyback program built into their offering. So they were able to buy back shares on the open market at a discount, which just juiced the return of the fund. So, you know, I think there is a lot to be said for quality. Um, and I don't know that it's like the kind of the, the perfect solution for it. But I can tell you when we were trading things that were more unknown, um, there was less demand for it. That makes sense. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, I, having been on this side of the business, the media side, covering sort of startups and activity within this alternative space, you know, w when the early crowdfunding laws were coming online, there was sort of this anticipation that like, you know, if we just figured out how to structure these, there, there was this pent up demand um, in retail land, essentially for, for these types of products. Um, I, I, I didn't believe it then. I don't necessarily believe it now because these are complicated products and, um, it's a lot easier to leave your money in the bank, but it's, it's, how, how are you helping to, um, create demand, um, and educate, um, potential investors yeah. in this space? Well, and then, and I think it's, there's like two parts to your question, right? And I think the crowdfunding initiative has kind of failed in some ways because it's been forcing individual investors to pick winners. And I think individual investors are rubbish at picking winners. Like if you're an amazing angel investor with amazing information, you might get one out of 10 right in an investment. And that's basically what the crowdfunding initiative that was have been launched has asked people to do. You retail right, Joe, like pick a winner, good luck. Right. Uh, I like funds for that reason, right? And in my experience investing, if I look at my investments in funds, 
on a personal level versus direct investing into um, startups, there's no comparison, right? And and I think that that's something that we're very cognizant of is bring high quality funds with high quality managers that have a track record and make sense. Um, and that's where you're going to get kind of a, a better experience for the investor. And the, that better experience will drive more confidence and more investment. I've seen, uh, you know, the, the, the retail space just, you see them just get, they end up being bag holders, even on IPOs. You know, Robinhood has all their IPOs. And I don't know if you bought any of the IPOs through the Robinhood app. I know I have. I can tell you the one thing I've done consistently is lose money on them. So that, that's interesting. I'm, I also know, Jamie, there's a, there's, a, there's a digital asset component to what you built here. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. that? Because I know it's, it's sort of in the background and you di it didn't come up in how you introduced your company. Maybe describe right. what it is and how you built these and structured these securities and then you know, yeah. where, where that might go in the future. Sure. So um, I, I don't describe it up front because it's sort of like talking about where you host your web page. In many cases, it's like, oh, we host on AWS. Like, who really cares? But there is some real advantages to what we do, um, leveraging uh, blockchain technology. So just to clarify, these are not cryptocurrencies. They have nothing to do with currency. Um, they are securities, just like a share of stock you might buy on Robinhood. Um, and I usually describe it this way, um, you know, and I, you put it into music context, I actually started in music, right? And so you can listen to a song on a record, you can listen to a song on a CD, you can listen to a stream. The one thing that's consistent amongst all of those things is that the song remains the same. You're not changing the actual song. You're just changing the format that you're listening to it on. So what we're doing at Securitize is introducing a new format. The traditional format is actually either paper-based um, or maybe a, a, you might get access to a website where you can see your holdings. But you don't actually have any way to prove that you own the asset. And so what we've created is a, a token on a blockchain, on a public blockchain, which proves your ownership. The proof of ownership is super crucial in how we tokenize assets and make them, I mean, and how we kind of make these assets available because without tokenization, we couldn't do it. Um, the reason being, uh, it would be too difficult to manage the volume of investors that we deal with and the amount of paperwork that it would require. So we've actually digitized the entire experience. So your entire onboarding is digital. There's no signing documents, there's a wet signatures, notarization, all that's out the window. Um, everything's filled out automatically for you on the uh, subscription agreements. And then your your shares are delivered as tokens to your account. And then from there, um, you can see your holdings and you can trade them really easily. Because again, we have the provenance. With the token, we know you own it. and We know it's not encumbered. So trading is super easy. You could take a loan against it, right? So you could go to somebody and say, hey, I own a million dollars worth of this private equity fund. Give me a loan against it. And they could see that it's unencumbered and do be able to execute that. And so this digital kind of new digital uh, format that we've brought to market, I believe, and if you look at what kind of what Larry Fink from BlackRock said, um, it's the future because the legacy format really sucks. Like you don't want to be dealing with paper and wet signatures and notarization. You want a digital experience. And to do that with an alternative investment, you need a whole ecosystem play that wraps up all the pieces. I guess as you're saying that, I'm thinking that there also could be down the road, like some interesting things you can do with like royalty streams. If there was an asset that had those where multiple, you could actually um, split those off between multiple, you know, child parent use, you know, owners of, yeah. of a particular token. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you could see, uh, 
you know, when I, when I first started in the space, having a music background, the most natural thing I looked at was paying royalties to writers because mm-hmm. it's a huge pain to pay those out. You're writing like two penny checks. Um, and, you know, the, the technical capability is there. And um, in fact, we've paid distributions um, using uh, blockchain to investors. Uh, but there are some nuances on how you do it and some problems that pop up. Um, things that you just don't expect. One, uh, people are really good at losing wallets. So if you're going to pay somebody cash to a wallet, that's not a great idea. Um, securities, unlike cryptocurrency, so crypto securities or digital securities, whatever you want to call them, can't be stolen or lost, mm-hmm. right? So if you lose your wallet, it's no problem on our platform. There's no issue. If we send you a distribution, meaning cryptocurrency, you could lose that. That's a problem. Oh, interesting. Um, the other thing uh, that was totally unanticipated by us um, was the cost of paying. So the gas fees on a blockchain network, so the fees Mm -hmm. to process a transaction are uh, unpredictable and they don't follow economic logic. So like on Ethereum, which is the most popular one, transactions get more expensive the more the product is used. It's the opposite of an economy of scale and it makes no sense. And so (laughs) the more you use something, more expensive it gets to use on a per transaction basis, forget it. Like that's never going to work. Right. It's like a tax usage tax that goes up. Um, it goes up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so this is a space, you know, that, that has been ripe for, um, entrepreneurial attention like your own and, and, and new fresh blood, new breath, fresh air here. Um, but it doesn't feel like anyone's like totally figured it out. Like, what do you think some of the market dynamics are? Is this is this a winner take all market? Is this just a, such a massive market? There'll be players, lots of players alongside you. Like, who wins here? How do we? How how you know? What's the future look like for the maturation of the market? So I, I don't think it's a winner take all market. Um, I do believe that it's going to be very similar to the current kind of financial ecosystem that we see, where you have a lot of um, you have like a Nasdaq, you have a you know an NYSE. You have a you know Deutsche Börse. You've got trading in Europe and all sorts of different markets, um, and those are all kind of different marketplaces that are kind of loosely associated. And products aren't necessarily listed listed on all the same ones because technically they can't be. In kind of our world, you could think of it um, where you could have actually a central um, exchange or an exchange at least that shared order books for all the different products, like what happens with cryptocurrency where people share order books across the ecosystem and then trade in their local interface, whatever they prefer it to be. So that in your interface might be securitized in the US, it might be, I don't know, um, another firm in Europe, it might be another one in Asia. And the, but the backend infrastructure, um, you know, is something that will allow this type of um, kind of distributed networking uh, and trading against a single liquidity pool, uh, which is where you'll get kind of a lot more sort of liquidity. So I think that's what kind of we see where we've had to build more of the infrastructure and experiences for investors than we probably would have when we, well, definitely than when we started the firm. When we started the firm, we want to be a technology service provider. And over time, we've become a a transfer agent in the US, one of the top five regulated by the SEC. And now we're a broker dealer and an ATS, so a trading And you just wanted to be a technology provider. And you become that's full all we service. wanted to be when we grew up, yeah. and we ended up being 
kind of all the regulatory pain. And it's because you, you need the trust, right? Yeah, I was like, going to say it speaks to, to sort of the nature of the market, right? Yeah, exactly. You want to deal with these guys. They want you to be regulated and trusted by them. Um, so we're, you know, we've done all of that. Um, and it, but we would love it if there was, you know, a liquid marketplace and we could just list hundreds of asset managers instantly and have tons of demand. But the market's not there yet. Uh, it's going to take a few more years to get there. But at least now we have the best products available. And so since we're no longer looking at kind of any deal that can't get funded traditionally uh, being available on blockchain, now you're getting the best product. So, you know, that's when the market really starts to move, uh, in, my, in my opinion. And, and how do you have you thought about it? I assume you've thought about um, creating your own products that are maybe baskets of a few of these things. The sure. reason I ask is, 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 I guess, twofold. One, that, um, you know, the, the end product be, ends up looking more like a securitized product. The other is like getting investors to think less transactionally, maybe, and more like advisory way. Like, yeah. How do you, how do you think about that? Yeah, so recently uh, we made an acquisition of a company called OnRamp Invest that provides um, essentially software uh, to registered investment advisors for them to be able to put together strategies, which is kind of what you're talking about in some way. And so um, we see a big opportunity with strategies across, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies as an investment, um, funds, alternative investment funds like, you know, private credit or debt. Um, or all sorts of different uh, private equity offerings, and then uh, potentially additional products that you know will come to market, uh, maybe more esoteric like a a wine or a whiskey or an art fund, things like that, where you can kind of allocate a strategy that sort of has different um, products in there. So um, we definitely see that, uh, and have made an investment for that reason in the space. We're just starting that sort of engagement. It's a it's a it's a huge pot of money once you unlock it but it takes a minute to get people to you know understand because in the registered investment advisor space it's really hard to buy alts mm -hmm. right ris don't sell alts because again it's the same problems it's five million ten million dollars for 10 years and we'll see what happens you don't have a lot of customers like that and so they and then on top of that like the subscription process the actual just signing up for it is 200 pages long it takes months to do and then you're explaining to your customer, well, I'll get you a report in a quarter. And then they're like, where's my report? It didn't show up. And there's all sorts of complexity. And so our, you know, you have to get rid of all of that in order to make the product available in a digital format. And we think that, you know, RIAs are a key channel for us in terms of distribution. But with what we're doing, robo-advisors could also be an interesting one because we have a secondary market where you can exit, right? And so that's when like robo-advisors can get into alt. So that's an interesting opportunity too. So there's a lot of different things once you create the digital product. We do have some of our own products, as you asked about. Um, we have like a we have a partnership with Standard & Poor's where mm -hmm. we put together um, the S&P kind of uh, X mega, which would be eliminating like Bitcoin and Ethereum, top crypto, top 20 cryptos. And that trades as a fund that you can buy through us, um, which is a neat product. Um, doing a lot better now than it was before. Just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's there's Last opportunity. A few weeks have helped. Yeah. Yeah, last few weeks, we don't want to be making, we don't want to do the whole thing all the time, right? We really mm -hmm. want to have the asset managers come in, product, be a distribution channel, get more investors into their products, and, and that's really where we want to be. Well, I guess what's interesting as you think about going multi-channel, uh, both the direct versus, you know, working through RAs is, 
um, is inventory also, right? It may or may not be a problem in the beginning, but I'd, I would think that, um, you know, direct investors on the platform may be competing against larger investors coming in through an RIA. Like, how do you, how do you, um, how, how do you arrange that? How do you, how do you prioritize one over the other? Right. It's a good problem to have. It's a good question. Yeah. It's yeah. a good problem. And I don't know the answer yet. I'll tell you yeah. maybe sometime middle of next year. Awesome. Uh, so we're getting near the end of the conversation. I'm curious, like, what are your, what do you, as you look into 2024, like, what are your big challenges? What are your big goals? Like what, what is, what is, what is the new year going to shape up looking like? Yeah, I think, um, you know, in, in the new year, we're going to see an acceleration of what's happened in 2023. So 2023 in, in the kind of blockchain world has had a lot to do with what's known as real world assets or these tokenized securities. Um, and we're going to see a big acceleration in that. We're going to see a lot more product come on. I think the cleanup that the U.S. regulators have done will facilitate a lot more trust in the ecosystem. And with that, uh, you'll have an acceleration because investors will be more confident um, and asset managers will be more confident. And you know, firms in general will just be more open to the space. So I think you'll see um, even bigger managers, some of the best in the world, come out with um, products that will be multi-billion dollar funds. And that's, you know, I think that'll be the moment where you can look back and be like, oh, yeah, um, this is uh, this is here to stay. It's not a fad. Because once you put two, three, four billion dollars on the blockchain uh, from one of these top guys, it's not going anywhere. Because as soon as they feel and see how much easier it is to manage um, and then the savings that they can pass back to their investors, because, again, investors only care about one thing. They care about the outcome. Right. And the less cost you have in it the better the outcome is. And so that's where I think um, our solution, which, you know, for any product to get adopted, it has to be, you know, cheaper, better, and faster. Uh, and I think, you know, we really tick those boxes when you digitize, uh, you know, these alternative investments. And so we think that, that it'll be kind of the, the, the moment that kind of that it tips over and it becomes the standard format as opposed to the new kind of format. Just like, I don't know if you remember back in the day, but I, I do. Certainly, people th said um, no one's ever going to listen to streaming music on their phone. That's a crazy idea, and much less will they pay for it. Well, let me tell you, everybody was wrong. Everybody, that's going to happen again. Yeah. Jimmy Finn, thank you for joining us on Tearsheet Podcast today. My pleasure.